0: Hi everyone. Thanks for checking into the Grad Girl Wellness Podcast, a space designed to inspire and highlight the stories of women of color in graduate school who are prioritizing their overall health and wellness while pursuing higher education. My name is Angela and I'm your host. Let's get started. So hi, Juanita, how are you doing today? I am fine, how are you? I'm doing all right, I'm hanging in there as best as I can. So to get us started, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and especially what you're studying and how far along you are in your program. Okay, a little bit about me. Okay, so I am Juanita Tooks, I am 35 years old, um, I am a, a full-time PhD candidate, at oakland university here in michigan um and outside of just uh you know academics and studying i really am very creative so i am an artist so i like to write poetry i like to act i like to dabble in a little photography um i like to model and anything that has to do with the arts i pretty much love Um, um, so yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much me in a nutshell, <laughs> school, and then when I'm not doing school, I try to balance it with being creative. So, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that how you can like be mindful that you need to have a life outside of school, right? Um, yeah, and that was very important because um, I I I lost that mm-hmm. along the way. You know, I started to forget that I am more than just a student. But I think when you dedicate yourself. something very intense like a doctorate degree when you are dedicated to something like that you do start to lose yourself and i think that's with anyone who has dedicated themselves to something that requires a lot of their attention like i think a lot of parents lose themselves along the way too because when you dedicate yourself to raising a child Mm -hmm. or multiple children your attention goes to the child you forget about you and that's why when they get older it's kind of like what do i want to do now Same thing like a marriage, you dedicate yourself to a marriage, you start to lose a little bit of yourself along the way. So I don't think losing yourself along the way is the problem. I think that's a natural part of when you dedicate yourself to something greater. But I think that being aware that losing ourselves can happen, we have an obligation to ourselves to find ourselves along the way too and keep that part of us alive so that we don't lose that part again as we continue forward. Mm-hmm. No, that's really important. I was thinking about grad students who are also married, right, or who also have children. So they're experiencing that double, right? Yep, Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So could you tell us then a little bit about your experience in grad school? Like what has that looked like? Have you experienced that, like losing yourself and then having to find yourself? And what what, what did that look like? So, okay. So I have been in my doc program this fall is the fourth year that I've been, um, in the PhD program. Um, and I'm going, um, I'm studying uh, counselor education and supervision. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think along the way I, when I started, I was very excited about starting, you know, um, And immediately I just started working real hard, just working, like burning the midnight oil, spending 10 to 12 hours in the library at a time because I was just so excited. But then I think another side of that is I was trying to prove to everyone that I deserved a seat at that table. So Mm -hmm. I, I attend a predominantly white institution. And I think because I knew that I was the minority, I felt this pressure. I put this pressure on myself to show everybody that you know, I know I am smart, like I deserve to be here. I'm going to work real hard. And I remember I tried to start my dissertation in my first semester. And it's like, come on, like, get, get, you're not going to do all that. Like, you're mm-hmm. not going to, you know, you're not going to do all of this in a day. Um, but as I continued that work ethic um, that I actually got from my parents, you just work hard, you work hard. I was not really taught growing up how to take care of yourself. I was just taught about the value of hard work. So, that is the model that I unconsciously adopted. And when, and it actually served me for most of my life because I've been working since I was 15. So, that work ethic always worked until I got to the PhD program. And that's when I realized that that model that I was using, it may have served me in some capacities, but in this capacity, it was not serving me. Um, and so, I lost myself in the work. I lost myself in the demand that was required of me as a PhD student that I had no idea what that was until I got in there. So I started losing myself, not taking care of myself, but I was excelling academically. Like my I made all A always made A's. Like my assignments were always dang near flawless. Like so I wasn't suffering academically, but in other areas of my life I was suffering and I thought a good work ethic would solve that, but it actually made it a lot worse. So when I, when I started figuring out that, hey, you know, you don't have any favorite restaurants or, you know, what you, what is the last movie that you've seen? What is the last book that you read that had nothing to do, you know, with academics? Like, you know, do you remember how to put makeup on? Like, once I started asking myself these questions, that's when I realized that I was losing myself. Like, I don't even know what my likes are because what I liked three years ago is probably not what I like now, or maybe I do like it now. The whole problem was I didn't know. So, I had to make myself a priority and say, hey, these things that we don't know about you, we're going to have to tap in and figure that out. And we're going to have to figure out a way for you to start discovering parts of yourself that got lost in the shuffle and lost along the way. Because if you forget who you are, when you get to that graduation stage, you're going to be up there as as a fractured person. You can't get up there with the whole regalia and all that, and you still don't know who you are. How are you going to be able to walk in that image? if all you think you are is a doc student Mm -hmm. like that that's not gonna work so that's kind of late in the game that's when i started finding these and rediscovering these pieces of myself so that when i do get to that moment when i graduate i can be a whole me i can appreciate me as a student i can appreciate me as an artist i can appreciate me as a daughter a sister um a clinician um just an all-around funny person you know I want to appreciate all aspects of me at graduation, not just the one that's going to be outwardly recognized. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to kind of have that long-term perspective, right? I think we can get lost in like this deadline or this assignment and we don't think about who we are gonna be at the end of this, right? Or even after graduate school. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things I recently kind of started having somewhat of an issue with because it's like, um, institutions prepare you for the graduation stage. But they don't prepare you for after that. So a lot of people get to graduation and realize that they don't know what they want to do with this degree or who are they going, to, how am I supposed to walk in this image now. So a lot of programs, um, Oakland, I know, has um, a great program through the Center for Multicultural Initiatives there where they prepare undergraduate students, not just Um, because they only uh, work with undergrads, but they prepare those students, not just for graduation, but what is your plan beyond? Like, what is your career goals? Like, let's start setting up your resume. Like, how are you going to pitch yourself? As a PhD candidate, I still don't know what that looks like. And that kind of bothers me a bit, because I've been working, working, working so hard just to graduate. And I'm like, Juanita, you know, there is an after, right? Mm -hmm. After you walk across the stage, you know, it's life is still on that other side where you're going to be employed somewhere and you're going to be doing something. And I'm like, dang, I've been so busy working just to get to the stage. I didn't think about what the job search would look like or how I would pitch myself as a professional in this new identity. I had no idea. And that was kind of shocking for me. Mm -hmm. So I wondered, was there like a pivotal moment when you kind of like realized you needed to start asking yourself these questions or was it something more subtle? Um, I would say it was when I started working on my dissertation, because once my classes were done, my classes were done in three years. And then I had to take comprehensive exams. Once the you know, classes were kind of distracting. I didn't realize that until after I didn't have any classes anymore. Like now that I didn't have a full load of classes, my exams were out of the way. I'm like, you are really in the dissertation phase, you're really on your own time. So you really have a lot more time to think. And the dissertation phase kind of is like an indication that you're almost there. So when I started the program, I wasn't really worried about the finish line because it seems like you're so far back. Like I have all these credits I got to get. I have all of this stuff I got to do. You're not really thinking about the end. But once you get to the dissertation, that's kind of like when the light turns on, like, hey, you in the last leg of this. Like, uh, do you know what you're trying to do? And I realized, um, like one pivotal moment is when I realized that my career path probably my career path had more paths than what i thought i thought you know what i'm just going to be a university professor that's what i'm going to do um, cuz that's kind of how you're groomed in academia as a phd student you're kind of groomed to go in that way of being a professor and which i don't have a problem with because i love teaching but then i started to learn that there were other avenues that i could take like you can work in academic affairs or you can work in student affairs or you can work in program development or retention coordination or you could do this and i'm like I didn't know about all this other stuff. I was just, my mind for the last three years was focused on this. You're telling me I have four more options? I didn't, I didn't consider, like, what does that mean? Like, do I still have time to weigh out all the, you know what I mean? So once I started realizing that there were more alternatives, um, once I graduated, that's when I was like, okay, it's really time to start thinking about what do you want to do? Get excited about graduation. That's great. But at this point, you need to remember that there is a beyond. And you want to kind of wrap your mind around other possibilities past the graduation stage. Well, that's awesome. That's really, really great. I'm curious. So you get to the dissertation, well, the ABD phase, right? What Mm -hmm. types of things did you start to do to take care of yourself or kind of get in touch with who you were and who you wanted to be in the future? So as far as my relationship with like self-care and wellness, because my uh my dissertation is actually studying um black women in higher ed so black women pursuing college degrees but the whole context of my dissertation surrounds the strong black woman schema and how that schema can negatively impact how black women pursuing college degrees at predominantly white institutions um how that can affect how they engage in wellness so if you have this internalized attitude how does that impact the way that you practice wellness right And this all came from the fact that throughout my whole journey in the PhD program, I wasn't taking care of myself at all, period. I just wasn't doing it. I was so busy working. Um, I was working uh, two part-time jobs, full load of classes, on campus for about 10 to 12 hours on my off days, on the weekends. I was on campus for about six days out of the week, just doing stuff. And so um, my relationship with self-care and wellness is very new. And when I say new, I mean about six months. About six months ago, that's when I realized that the way that I was functioning was not going to, it was not going to work for me continuing forward towards graduation and beyond. It just was not working. And the pivotal moment of that was when I, um, uh, I was suffering very bad with anxiety and it was just getting increasingly worse. Mm -hmm. So about six months ago, I was, you know, dealing with panic attacks and serious bouts of anxiety. And with the last panic attack I had, I'm like, okay, something, something is off. Um, I don't know what's going on. My dissertation would be a trigger, like hearing my from my dissertation chair would trigger me. It would be so bad to where it's just looking at my laptop would trigger me having serious anxiety symptoms. Um, there were other personal matters in my life that were also triggering anxiety. And I'm like, okay, okay. Like what is going? So what I actually did was I started making efforts from that point to consciously take care of myself better. Um, and the first thing that I did when I made up my mind to do that was I had a serious com- an honest conversation with my dissertation chair. And I said, I need to step back from my dissertation for a couple of weeks because my mental health is not good right now. And there's no way that I can produce in this mind state. That was big for me because I was working on my dissertation day and night, day and night, literally day and night. Um, and I'm, I, I just got to a point where it's like, no. I got to step back because you got to take care of you like i can't produce like this this is re- and i what's interesting about that is that my dissertation is about black women <laughs> internalizing strong black woman schema how that uh deters them from practicing wellness and i am doing the same thing I'm instead. so that. instead of a dissertation it's like am i writing a memoir because that's <laughs> what it feels like <laughs> OK, so what is it like then to to write about something that's so personal for you? To be honest, it, it had more of an impact than I thought, because when I started this, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, this is going to be very helpful for black women in my position. I was too busy thinking about it from the outside perspective. Yeah. Other black women who's going to read this. I hope this helps them. You know, I hope this educates them. I hope this encourages them to go out and practice wellness. And, and take care of themselves and understand just how um damaging the strong black woman schema can be, I never thought I never I never took it in myself. I always looked at it as this is gonna help somebody else. So when I started realizing that <laughs> I was basically like I'm writing about me because that's what it felt like. It was eye-opening. And it was actually very disappointing because that was not my intention. Like I didn't intend on living my life in such a way to where I would have to write about it. But that's where my whole dissertation topic came from. It came from the fact that I was burned out in my first year, that I was not taking care of myself. Um, And that's what, because I sparked my dissertation question probably within the first year of the program. So it still came from my experience. I guess my disappointment came in that this is my fourth year and I'm still going through this. I'm still writing about myself. Now in the first year, I could kind of understand that. Like this is your first year, this is what you did. And maybe you got over it and you were better. But for me to still be seeing the same things in myself in the fourth year, I was disappointed because I'm like, this this is not what I intended. I didn't intend for this to be like a four year long study on me. Like this is not what I wanted. But I needed to see that because it pushed me even more to say, you know what, you need to start taking care of yourself better. Mm -hmm. no I think I appreciate your honesty on that because there's so many of us who are going through the exact same thing the exact same thing Mm -hmm. also I want to say kudos to you for talking to your advisor about being honest about taking a step back that takes a lot so in the last six months what have you started to do um well wellness right so self-care is a component of wellness so wellness is like this um I want to say wellness is like um I I love metaphors. So I'm trying to figure out like, do I want to use a tree trunk or do I want to use like an umbrella? Um, But I'll use a tree trunk. So wellness is like the tree trunk, right? It's rooted. The trunk is what holds the branches. Wellness is like the tree trunk. And then you have different domains across your life that are directly connected to your overall wellness and life satisfaction. So those different domains are like the branches, right? And so you have like the spiritual domain of wellness the physical emotional intellectual social occupational across literature those are the common domains that are identified and studied as to what contributes to overall wellness and life satisfaction so the whole key to wellness and achieving wellness is having balance across all those areas and that's what it means to have a balanced lifestyle across all of the domains in my life across everything that i'm doing in my life I give equal attention to these areas and I make conscious efforts to make healthy decisions in each of these areas. And if I continue to do this on a routine basis, I'll have a well-balanced life, which will result in me being healthy and well and satisfied overall with how my life is going. That's not to say that it's perfect, but it's pretty good. So what I started doing six months ago is I think the first thing that I started to do was... um, the first thing I did was step back from my dissertation. So that helped me um, a lot, I wanna say, as far as my emotional state. So my emotional wellness. I was not handling my emotions very well at all because I was stressed out, I was anxious, I was worried. Um, and so taking a step back was the first thing that I did to give my emotions a chance to breathe. Like, okay, you do not have the stressor anymore. Like, All right, now how are you feeling now? Um, If we talk about the physical domain, um, I started exercising. So I'm not one who likes exercise, but what I started doing was shaping up exercise in a way that was doable for me to commit to on a daily basis. So I walk. I walk um, twice a day, and I don't count the miles or anything, but I know I walk pretty far. (laughs) So I make it a point to walk twice a day almost every day. I also started making changes in my social connections. I realized that at this, at this phase in my life, in this stage, um, some of the social relationships that I had were not very healthy. And so that was attributing to my anxiety and my stress level as well. Um, So I had to make some adjustments there and that was very hard to do. But when I thought about it, how have you know how has these relationships served me up until this point because if you're just feeling anxious and stressed out about them you don't need them and so i make some hard decisions that hurt in the short run but were better for me in the long run so what wellness kind of shows is not only these individual domains but how these domains are interconnected Mm -hmm. and also how they interact because making improvements in my social wellness helped me feel better in my emotional wellness um spiritual wellness, like how do you center your energy? Like, where do you focus your thoughts? Like, what is your, you know, spiritual affiliation? You know, what divinity do you choose to associate with? Um, and spirituality is actually something that really helped to ground me as far as my wellness, because when I didn't have a friend to call or when my friends were not available, the only one I had was God to talk to. Mm -hmm. God is, um, my, you know, that's, um, the one who I recognize as far as my spiritual beliefs. Um, but that's what grounded me. I would go out and walk. So this is my physical wellness and I would just talk out to God, whatever it was I was upset about. Sometimes I would practice mindfulness and just sit outside in nature and just cry about something that was upsetting. Or, you know, if I was angry, I would talk that out. Getting these things out of me helped me to better manage my emotional wellness by doing a physical activity that helped me to ground myself spiritually. So we're already seeing how they kind of intertwine and and stuff like that. So that's kind of how, over the last six months, how my um, engagement and wellness has been. And it's something that I have committed to strongly. And I'm very happy, even though it has been hard. It was not easy committing to this. But I feel so much better um, knowing that I've made this commitment and I plan on sticking to it. No, oh, that's awesome. Like, kudos to you again. Um, okay, so now that we you're making progress in these aspects of your life and thinking about interconnectedness of everything, right? I'm curious about how this has impacted your relationship to your dissertation. Actually, it's made me more passionate about it because the the great thing about the dissertation, even though oof, it makes you want to pull your hair out, oof, <laughs> it, it just makes you... Mm, the dissertation phase is very hard, very hard. But one of the benefits of it is you get to be this, 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 you get to attain so much knowledge because you have to study so much and read so many articles and review so many studies. Right. Um. And so now that I have studied wellness, cause I know the black and white of it. Okay. You know, I know the theorists, I know the researchers, I know the studies, I know all that. But because I've had a personal experience of it as a Black woman mm-hmm. who is also a grad student, I have even more passion to write about it now. Because, and my understanding is expanded because now I don't, know, I don't just know about it from book knowledge. I know about it from personal experience. I, so I, my personal experience helps me understand the literature better. Um, because before the dissertation phase, I didn't know anything about wellness. I didn't know. I knew nothing about it. Um, My perspective on wellness was probably how most folks' perspectives are, which people commonly, when they think about wellness, they think about their physical. Oh, I'm not feeling sick, you know, or I'm not a sickly person, or, you know, I tend to get colds, you know, every now and then. Wellness is not just a physical area, and that's what I want to communicate through my dissertation, is that wellness is not just limited to the physical. It is a spectrum, you know, of areas that you can make healthy choices in, to feel well, to feel healthy, to feel good. Because a lot of things with the physical condition are prevalent because of other areas. Like there's a lot of psychological conditions. For example, I told you I've suffered with anxiety. A lot of the things that were going on psychologically, I felt in my body. So the shortness of breath, the chest pain, abdominal pain, um, the muscle aches, the migraines, those were all manifestations of what was going on in my mind, but it was taking effect on my body. So this is why I want people to know the physical is not just, it's not an, it does not tell the whole story of how well you are. You have to examine other areas in your life because if you make changes in one area, that means another area is gonna be automatically changed. Well, I think, I think this is great and something that we all need to hear and hear repeatedly, right? Cause it's easy to kind of get caught up. Um, mm-hmm. So thinking about your overall arc, right, from starting your PhD program to where you are now, what can you say that you've learned about yourself? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> no, it, it, it's because, and it makes me smile because there's things that I've always known. So let's start there, right? Like, I always knew that I was intelligent. I always knew that because I always put forth my greatest efforts in school. Always, you know what I mean? Always. I always knew that i was a hard worker because that's the work ethic that i observed from my parents and i adopted that so i always knew i was a hard worker um but this journey i and it's something about the phd journey that's different than any other journey i've had as far as education like i don't my bachelor and master's degrees were not like this that's not to say that they weren't hard in their own ways but they didn't really cause me to look at myself inside out as a person it's something about the PhD journey that lets you know this is so much more than just a piece of paper mm-hmm. and a title. It causes you to examine yourself as a human being in, a, in the bigger context of the world and how you view it and interact with it and how you view yourself. But I would say that the things that this journey has revealed to me that I didn't know about myself um, was is that I am brave. I never considered, like I never thought about myself as being brave but it takes a brave person to do what I'm doing right now. And I know a lot of other people are doing it too. And that's why I want them to understand to get a PhD, especially if you are a minority and I'm a black woman. So it's like, so I'm a double minority, right? I'm out here getting a whole PhD at a predominantly white institution in today's times of racial and social injustice, Mm -hmm. where every time I look on the news, there's somebody with my skin color getting killed in the street and no justice is being done. And that's also what made my dissertation hard to write too. It's hard to write about inequality and racism and sexism and discrimination when you're seeing it on the news every day. And that's another reason why I had to take a step back because I'm like, I'm seeing it in the world. I'm seeing it in my dissertation. I'm reading about slavery and how Black people were mistreated. And what was disappointing is that what I'm reading about from the 1600s is no different than now. It really grieved my heart to see that racism, discrimination, uh, violence, brutality, all of these things that I'm reading about in the 1600s and throughout slavery is happening now. You know, So this journey taught me just, you're brave. You're brave for stepping up to the call. You're brave for, for doing this um, because if everybody could do it, Everybody would be doing it. But the PhD can be very intimidating. That's why it takes a brave person to face that fear and say, you know what? I'm gonna try this. And not only am I gonna try this, I'm gonna do it. So it showed me that I was brave, but it also showed me how strong I am. Because this process, it's not about how smart you are. It's about your determination to endure until the end. Cause you have a lot of smart people who they they got the book smarts and everything, but they don't have that that long suffering, that ability to endure is too much. And it's like, you know what, forget it. I'm not doing this. So I realized early on that this is not about intellect. This is just about tenacity, your passion and your determination to endure. If you can endure, you can get a PhD. I'm not saying that intellect has nothing to do with it but it's not as much as what people think. This is about your ability to endure because the process can break you if you let it. And it has broken me a couple of times. But it's only revealed to me the fact that you've gotten this far, how strong you are. So I think bravery and strength is what the journey from the beginning to right now has showed me about myself. That was beautiful. Like, absolutely. And I I completely agree with you that I think the PhD program does something. I, I don't know if it's about like the length of it or how much time you're spending with yourself doing the work, but it. It is something very distinct, and only what two percent of the population can attest to that, right? Yes, yes, so. yes. Awesome. Okay, so um, if you if there are any further thoughts, um, we're gonna move into the lightning round. So here, just the first things that come to your mind. Okay, it's a quick okay. two one. So if you could provide me with three words to describe wellness in graduate school. Okay. Three words, wellness in graduate school. Number one, necessary. It is necessary. <laughs> if you are in college, especially if you're a grad student, you, it's necessary for you to practice wellness and balance. You know, pr, you know, definitely excel at your work. Time management, setting aside time to study, you know, but also have fun. That's one thing that I did not do in grad school was have fun. I worked all day. Grades were great but I never had any fun. So learn how to balance your life so that you can enjoy everything that you're doing. I think one of the reasons why I did not enjoy my my PhD journey as much as I could have is because I did not have any balance. It was just all work all the time. So number one, necessary. Number two, doable. Wellness in grad school is doable. One of the main reasons why I didn't practice self-care and wellness any sooner is because I, I said I didn't have time like I can't. I'm on campus. You know, I got classes tonight. I got to study. I got to pull an all-nighter. I got to do this. I got to do that. I don't have time to, you know, take a long bubble bath. I don't have time to go visit a friend. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to look into seeing maybe if I need a therapist. I don't have time to look for that. I I got to meet this deadline. It is doable because let's think about it at the bottom line. When it comes down to things we want to do, we will make the time. Right. Period. Period. I don't care what anybody say. I don't care how much stuff you got to do. If somebody really wants to do something, they will make it happen. If it means I got to push something to the side or put something off. So it is doable. Do not let your schedule think that you can't fit wellness in there because if you just sit and meditate or pray or just sit with your own thoughts, that could take about five minutes. You got five minutes in a day to go eat you some lunch or go go do a quick check-in with yourself. You have, a, you have a, come on now, we can do this, so doable. And number three, I would say beneficial. It is so beneficial for you as a grad student, for me as a grad student to practice wellness. I am experiencing more benefits in this last leg of this marathon of getting my PhD than I did in the first couple of years of the program. I wish I would have been practicing this in the beginning. Because it would have really relieved me of a lot of the stress that I was building up that over time manifested itself into negative mental health symptoms for me, like depression and anxiety and stress and frustration. Maybe if I would have started practicing balance earlier on, maybe I wouldn't have had to suffer with panic attacks in my fourth year of being a PhD candidate. So necessary, doable, beneficial would be my three words. Awesome. Okay. So next question, what are two invaluable resources that have helped you in your wellness journey? Um, I would say God and my spirituality, because I'm telling you, <laughs> like I said, when I had no friend to call on, cause you know, my friends got their own lives too. They were not always available, but when I needed someone and they didn't happen to be there, my relationship with God is what grounded me. I could cry. I could talk out my thoughts. I could pray. I could just sit in silence, and I could get all of that out of me, and it would make me feel better. And like I said, I know that people, um, you know, you have people have various religious affiliations and divinities that they reverence. But for me, God is was is the number one invaluable resource that kept me grounded. If I did not have God and my spirituality, I would have lost my mind trying to do this. There's only so much of me. Like when I think about my whole journey, it really wasn't a lot of this really wasn't me. It was God keeping me in place because I would have just exploded because it's so much. So I would say that and also therapy. Now, a lot of people might think I'm biased because I am a licensed professional counselor and I am biased. Okay, (laughs) so (laughs) but. I have, the reason why I I love therapy and I understand it so well is because I don't just understand it from a clinician standpoint. I also understand it from a client. So not only do I provide and give therapy, I have also received it. So I know both sides and I know how beneficial it can be to talk with someone who doesn't really know you that well, but who is trying to understand you and can reframe perspectives, um, can help you reframe perspectives so that you can look at life, uh, yourself, your mistakes, your shortcomings, your victories. Acknowledge you and affirm you in ways that you need to, because in this world we we don't feel affirmed, we don't feel recognized, we don't feel like what we're doing is a big deal, or we feel like the most horrible person. Therapy helped me reframe all of that into perspectives that let me know that you are a human being, you are not perfect, and that is okay, and you can always make a different choice. So, God and my spirituality and therapy, I would say, would be the two most valuable resources that's helped me throughout this time. Certainly, certainly. I'm a, a huge advocate for therapy and church. Yep. Um, church yep. my, my thing every Sunday, that's where you'll find me. Um, <laughs> and lastly, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Let's see. So the thing about me and my younger self is I knew that I always wanted to be a doctor. I knew that since I was about nine. Um, at nine I didn't know there were different kinds of doctors so but I knew that I wanted to be a doctor and so but what I didn't know is just the journey and how challenging that would be so um, if I could tell my younger self a message I would say you were created for a great purpose Um, you're You were put on the planet for a reason, and that's not just to take up space. You were put here to make an impact. Um, You're here to do something, something very unique. You have a special assignment, something that the world needs that only you can do in the unique way that you do it. So with that being said, I would tell myself, pursue your dreams with passion. Pursue them relentlessly, but also be patient and trusting of the process. Because it is not gonna look like you want it to look or look like what you think it's supposed to look like. But even if the journey and the road doesn't look like what you think, that doesn't mean that you can't learn anything from the journey just because it didn't look like what you thought. Um, Stay the course, stay the course because your dreams will come true and they're gonna make a huge impact. Do not get thrown because the road looks different or you have to take a detour, or you have to stop. Do not stop pursuing your dreams because you run into an obstacle. Because the destination is still the same. You are still here to make an impact. You're still here to do something great. Just because you run into some things along the way, have to switch paths or something like that, go backwards, go forwards, still stay the course and stay on track. Because like I said, the world needs something that only you can give. And if you stop, then the world is missing out on something. Mm -hmm. And so are you. So that's what I would say. No, that's a beautiful message. Stay the course, right? Stay yep. the course. So Juanita, that's all the questions that I have for you. I want to say thank you for being on this show. I learned a lot and it was absolutely great to speak with you today. Oh, this is awesome. Thank you for having me. Like I was so excited. So thank you so much for having me. It was really, really a great experience. So thank you for having me. I'm glad. Not a problem. So if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Um. Well, probably the best way to get in touch with me is through my Instagram. Um, I do a lot of networking and connecting with people on Instagram. So you can follow me um, at Dr. Juanita Speaks. So that's D-R-J-U-A-N-I-T-A-S-P-E-A-K-S. No spaces, just Dr. Juanita Speaks. Follow me on there, send me a message. We can connect, we can chat, and it's all good. That's all I have for you on this episode. I hope that you heard something that inspires you along your wellness journey. And if so, share it with a friend.